I invite you to turn with me in your Bibles, if you would, to the book of Luke, chapter 10, the book of Luke, chapter 10, and we're going to look at uh, several verses in that passage, probably actually a few more than I have listed in your uh, worship guide, but as you're turning there, I'll remind you that uh, last week we had a chance to consider uh, God's call in, in His Word, in the Scriptures, to uh, faithful uh, financial giving in support of kingdom ministries and His kingdom work. And uh, even as we were reminded about that last week, and I trust have been as a congregation praying and preparing to uh, submit those pledge cards uh, this week, the opportunity arises for us to be reminded that God is doing His work uh, not just in what we do, how we use our time, talents, and treasure for Him, although that's important, we talked about that last week, but that the most important thing for all of us to remember is not just how God can use us, but that we belong to God, that we're His, that we've been numbered among His people. And as great as it is to be able to participate in whatever ways God is leading us in the ministry of this church or in other works of the Lord in our community around the world, the greatest thing, as Jesus reminds us, is not so much the plays, if you will, that Jesus is going to run through us on the playing field, but the fact that we're able to be on the team. With that in mind, I'll invite you to stand with me and turn to this Luke passage. I'll read it aloud as you read along silently. Luke chapter 10, verses 17, and then I think we'll just go on through uh, verse 24. And this is following up on this uh, wonderful time where Jesus has taken and sent out the 72 of his disciples, that sort of larger group of his disciples, and given them sort of an exercise in a door-to-door ministry and outreach, sending them out and giving them great power. So they've seen and done great things, as you'll see here in our verses. And yet Jesus is going to remind them of a very important truth that takes priority over even how they've been greatly used by him. Read along with me silently as I read aloud, starting at verse 17. The 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, Indeed, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I've given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. And then verse 21. In that same hour, he rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you've hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father. No one knows the Son, who the Son is except the Father, or who the Father is except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. Then turning to the disciples, He said privately, Blessed 
are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you, many prophets and kings desired to see what you see and did not see it and hear what you hear and did not hear it. You may be seated and let's pray again. Oh, Father, we thank you for your word and the way that it reminds us of things that are so important for each and every day of our lives. And we ask, Lord, that you would help us to have a a celebration redirection today, that we would be reminded first and foremost to always simply be rejoicing that you have worked in our lives, that you have saved us and brought us to yourself, that we are on the team in that sense. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, perhaps you've had a chance to see the movie. It's one of the top sports-related movies of all time. The movie Rudy about Daniel Eugene Rudiger, just called Rudy from Joliet, Illinois, just up the road from uh, my old stomping ground from my growing up years in the Chicago suburbs. As you recall, if you know the story, have seen the movie, Rudy has kind of one main hope for his life that he wants to be able to not only attend the University of Notre Dame, I can talk about this freely this year now, last year it would have been awkward, but we can talk about it, but actually to play for that football team. He's got a couple serious problems. He lacks the grades, the resources, and certainly the ability both to attend the university, let alone to be able to play on that football team. He sets his dream aside for a while until his friend is killed in a steel plant accident locally there, and it inspires him to go ahead and move, relocate to South Bend, having not yet been admitted. And sure enough, his grades fall short, and he has to go to a local junior college for a while. A a buddy helps him figure out that the issue of dyslexia is what was causing him his academic problems, kind of late in the game for the the poor guy, but better late than never, and so he's eventually able to get admitted academically to Notre Dame, but still doesn't have the size or the ability to really compete on that athletic level. But he goes and tries out to be a walk-on, and the coaches realize that he really doesn't even live up to the ability of some of the other folks that might be able to work on sort of a scout team, a practice team, but they see his passion. And they decide to let him have a place just on that scout team. And year in, year out, week in, week out, he goes and takes a hit, takes a hit again from those big players on the starting team. And if you recall, the original coach uh, leading up into his senior year had even committed because of Rudy's uh, involvement in that way to, to let him dress out in the final game of his senior year, not necessarily play him, but just dress out so that he could at least be listed on the official registry of Notre Dame's team. Well, the coaches 
transitioned during that senior year, and there was a new coach, so the other players had to go and sort of plead with the new coach to let Rudy get out. And finally, he agrees to, to do that just to have him stand on the sidelines with the team. Rudy's family comes to see this great event just to be there and to everyone's shock and amazement when Notre Dame's able to get a significant lead over Georgia Tech, I think it was, they were playing. Rudy's able to get in the game for just one play at the end and even is able to make the tackle and sack the quarterback on that play. He's carried off the field to the cheers of the fans and his fellow teammates. Rudy didn't have a lot of abilities, a lot of things to bring to the table, if you will, talents, uh, various skills or resources. His family didn't have a lot of money or influence, and, and this was good in the sense that it forced him to be excited just to be on the team, just to be able to be numbered among those on that squad. And if you'll follow with me, Jesus today is speaking to his disciples who in fact have been given some tremendous power, at least for a short time as they go out on this special mission trip. And they are coming back and celebrating, and he's warning them about something that he's concerned about for them. And that is that as great as it is for them to see God working through them, to be able to play on the field, that they should be really careful to always remember that the primary thing, the foremost thing, is not what they can do for Him, but what He has done for them in saving them and bringing them to Himself. And I think the Lord has the same reminder for us today. It may be a strange thing to do on a sort of pledge Sunday as we think about that part of our commitment to God's kingdom and using the things that He's provided for us to kind of do a reverse uh, side of things that way. But the Lord reminds us of this for our good, that the thing we should be most excited about, even as many here are participating in different ways in God's kingdom, is that He's simply brought us into His kingdom. If you want to follow along, you can turn in, your, in the back of your worship guide in the notes section, and there's a main idea listed Again, I tried to follow along with our little football analogy. I hope everybody will see where I'm headed with this. It will be helpful rather than confusing. That we should celebrate certainly how we have run the plays that God gives us, but we should first and foremost celebrate simply that we are on the team. Look back with me at the passage again. Isn't this exactly what Jesus is saying in verse 20? We'll talk about it more in a minute. That they should rejoice that their names are written in heaven. And then, then he goes on, look, look down at verse 22, even outside that sort of main passage that we want to look at today. Verse 22, the last little phrase there. How is it that these disciples have come to experience relationship with God? Because the Son has chosen to reveal Himself to them. He goes on and talks about what a 
privilege this is in verses 23 and 24 that, that folks in, in centuries and generations before longed to be able to know just a little bit of the experience that the disciples are having of a personal relationship with Jesus and Him working in their lives. What a privilege for them. What a privilege for us to be on the team, if you will. The Scriptures talk about this in a number of places. Deuteronomy chapter 7, if you want to turn there, you can. Deuteronomy chapter 7, this is to the Old Testament people of God. Way, way back. Verse 6 of Deuteronomy 7. God says to His people, For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. Sounds pretty fantastic. Great. We're a people holy to the Lord our God. But listen, He keeps their feet grounded. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for His treasured possession out of all the peoples on the face of the earth. Verse 7. It was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set His love on you and chose you. For you were the fewest of peoples. But it's because the Lord loves you and is keeping the oath that he swore to your fathers that the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Know, therefore, that your Lord, your God, is God, the faithful God who keeps a covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. Nothing special about them in and of themselves other than that they've been called and numbered among God's people by His grace. 1 Corinthians, flip over to kind of the New Testament version of that passage. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 26 and 27 will probably work fine for us. Corinthians is all the way towards the end of the New Testament right after Romans, but before you get to Hebrews and Galatians and so forth, 1 Corinthians verse 20, chapter 1, verse 26. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many of you were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even the things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. He's the source of your life in Christ Jesus, whom God made our wisdom, our righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let no one, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Elsewhere in the Scriptures, we certainly see Jesus not only describing uh, how we come to Him and, and where we come from, those two things, but also describing where we're headed because of being numbered among His people. That He's gone, John 14 says, and prepared a place for each one of us in heaven. He's put that together. John 10, He reminds us that Certainly we know him, but he knows his sheep. He cares for us. We're numbered among those that he's watching over, that he's spreading his love to. And it reminds me as we think about some implications and then just have a couple of brief points to share with us today 
of those verses in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. You don't need to turn there. It's just one verse where the Apostle Paul says that we as believers have this treasure, this wonderfully valuable thing of the Lord's salvation in jars of clay, in just everyday common jars. And he says there's a reason for that. And our passages we've read already have hinted at the same idea. He says that the reason is to show that the all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We're invited to have that on our hearts and minds as we think about all the things that we may be doing seeking to accomplish for the Lord. Think a minute about the things that maybe you're involved in. And that's our first question of application for us today. And in what, are, in what accomplishments do we rejoice? What are the accomplishments that we rejoice in? Maybe we're encouraged for good reason that God's been able to be using us in our workplace or in other relationships where people are seeing there's nothing special about us, but God's been doing a work and folks are recognizing there's something different about that person because of the Lord working in them. And we're having opportunities to talk about the hope we have in Christ because of that. Maybe we're engaged with helping in various and serving and using our abilities in various ministries here at our Cross Creek Church that are connected or attached. Or maybe there's other things in the community that we're serving in. Maybe we're seeing God. We talked a couple of weeks ago about investing in families. Maybe we're seeing God actually doing something through us in our extended family or parents, especially with little ones here, seeing God work in in our youngsters. And we're encouraged with what God is doing through us there. Maybe maybe some are are taking on this uh, challenge I know I've, I've encouraged all of us with to, to maybe just once a month throughout the year, so maybe 12 times a year, finding somebody at, at the workplace or neighborhood or connected to your kid's school or somewhere that, that you get a sense maybe, maybe they don't know the Lord or, or maybe they need some encouragement in the Lord and you're, you're setting off time to get them over for dinner or to get together with them and see how God would use you in their lives. All of these things in the course what we're going to do today, putting these financial commitments of saying we're going to contribute financially to this ministry, those things we can look at. And it's kind of like Jesus' disciples going out and saying, wow, we've had an opportunity to see you work, Lord, and to participate with you. It's been amazing. A humbling thing, isn't it? That Jesus says, that's wonderful, but don't let that be the number one thing you rejoice in. Let it be that you belong to me, that I've called you and brought you to myself. He invites us, as I've titled the message, to a celebration redirection, to recalibrate what it is that we're celebrating. And let me just invite you, as we come to a, a close here, to look back at this passage in Luke chapter 10 and see again this verse 20. You know, Jesus has acknowledged to them that they've done some pretty awesome things. He says they're seeing Satan cast down. That's certainly some kind of reference to Revelation where there's a passage about Satan being cast down. And he's basically saying, yeah, the stuff that you're doing 
is dethroning, pulling down from his false and evil throne, the evil one. That's a pretty bold thing to be able to be involved with. He says, yeah, I see that. I recognize it too. But then in verse 21, or I'm sorry, verse 20, he says, nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. I like what uh, one uh, student of the scriptures says about this, Michael Wilcock. I think it may be in your worship guide in the back if you want to read along with me there. I'll read it aloud. But uh, Michael Wilcock, he says, this is certainly not being, it's certainly not being suggested that God's people can just be passive and unthinking while he manipulates their bodies like puppets or programs their minds like computers. But he says they're passionate, devoted activity springs from abilities that he's given not which they have evolved and from understanding which he has revealed not which they have attained indeed the thing which above all else listens to listen to this makes christ's people what they are is the fact that every one of them can say it's no longer i who live but christ who lives in me I think that's what Jesus is talking about in these verses. I think that's what he's trying to point us to and to encourage us tremendously that we have that privilege, that we're saved, we're redeemed, we're part of his children, his people. We've been adopted and brought into his family. Where are we on this today? I know it's a constant temptation for me uh, because if you're involved with the things of God's kingdom, they're good things. Right? So it's easy to celebrate those. And as I said, I think we should. But it's so easy for that celebration to take place of just celebrating who we are in Christ. Where what we're doing for Him and with Him takes precedence over just who we're privileged to be through Him. Francis of Assisi, and I'll conclude with this. Uh, centuries ago, was certainly a significant leader in the church and impacted many people's lives with his ministry. And at one point, it was told that a, a, a peer of his, a fellow believer, came along and was asking him, Why you, Francis? Why you? Francis asked, Why me what? The man said, why does everyone want to see you, want to hear you, want to follow you? You're not so handsome nor learned nor from a noble family. Yet the world seems to want to follow you, the brother said. Francis looked up at him, said, you want to know why? It's because the eyes of the Most High have willed that it be so. He continually watches over the good and the wicked, and as his most holy eyes have not found among sinners any smaller man, nor any more insufficient and sinful, therefore he's chosen me to accomplish the marvelous works which the Lord has undertaken. He chose me because he could find none more worthless, and he wished to confound the nobility the grandeur, the strength, 
the beauty and the learning of this world. Let's pray together. Oh, Father, we thank You for this essential reminder to us today that we are first and foremost loved by You. And that everything else that we are able to be involved in for Your glory really flows out of that identity that we have in You and never the other way around. So Lord, we pray that You would lift us up through that knowledge. You'd ground us deeply in You through it. And that we draw closer to You even today. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.